Okay, you know those animated holiday shows that we all love? Uh, Rudolph and Frosty and... Yeah, we're going to talk with the historian from the company that made those movies on This Is Today. Welcome to This Is Today, the podcast that features the stories that make this day unique. It's Sunday, December 6th, 2020. I'm Russ, and here's what you need to know about today. Well, it's National Gazpacho Day. Uh, Gazpacho, in case you're not familiar with it, is cold soup. I've always wondered the origin of gazpacho because, you know, it's cold soup. Um, I, I looked that up. I couldn't really find a good origin story for uh, gazpacho. So I, I, I'm going to go ahead and make up my own uh, because, you know, when I serve my kids chicken that I've put on the grill just a little bit too long, like I walked away and I forgot about it and then all of a sudden we have burnt chicken. Well, it's burnt chicken. And I think that's maybe uh, what happened here with gazpacho. You know, they had some soup and they just kind of left it too long. They went away for a little bit or whatever and they came back and it was cold. And, uh, you know, somebody probably complained about it and they said, no, 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 that's gazpacho. It's supposed to be that way. Um, I guess that explains my burnt chicken or, you know, blackened chicken. Yeah, it, it all works. Uh, it's also National Miners Day today. And no, not, you know, kids, um, people under the age of 18. No, I'm talking about miners, the actual miners, the people that go into the mines, you know, like in Minecraft. Um, yeah, those people that are digging for, you know, like gold or silver or coal or, um, you know, whatever that is. It's interesting um, I actually, I went on vacation in, uh, to Salt Lake City uh, a couple years back, and while we were at the hotel, we met a minor, not an underage person, a minor, um, and uh, they had like basically just gone to Salt Lake City because they lived in Nevada and they didn't have the proper uh, health care for their child there, so they went to Salt Lake City to get the special treatments that their child needed, and it was so cool talking to this guy. It's amazing how much technology is involved in mining. I asked the guy, so you're you're a miner. Like, you know, what do you do? I'm thinking, you know, he swings a, a pickaxe all day. He didn't do that. He ran the computer that dug the holes. And he basically explained that it's all like GPS-driven machines that are doing the mining. It's, it's pretty crazy. Anyway, a, a very interesting meeting with that guy. Uh, he was a great guy and it was a lot of fun. So uh, that's why, uh, you know, I like to bring these stories up. All right. Uh, let's uh, move now to our events for the day. All right. In 1877, the first edition of the Washington Post was published. Uh, this was founded in uh, 1877 by Stenson Hutchins. Uh, yeah, they've won 69 Pulitzer Prizes over the years. It's second only to the New York Times as far as prizes. It's one of the big newspapers in the world, uh, although the distribution isn't as big as some of those other papers that you might think of. It's famous for the Watergate reporters, Woodward and Bernstein, Bob Woodward, Carl Bernstein. Uh, yeah, they basically led the investigation and the investigators into the right place in the Nixon scandal uh, back then. Uh, in 2013, the newspaper was bought by Jeff Bezos. You know, I, I kind of wonder, did he just go like tell his wife, like, hey, you know what, I'm going to go buy a newspaper. I'll be right back. And he actually bought the entire Washington Post. I, I kind of picture it that way. I mean, when you've got that much money, what else are you going to do, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, on this day 
in 1969. Yeah, you know, whenever I bring up the 60s, you know, there could be potential for problems. Well, everything sounded like it was going great uh, in Livermore, California, at the Altamont Free Concert. This was held at the Altamont Raceway in Livermore, California. Um, the Rolling Stones were set to be there, Jefferson Airplane, The Grateful Dead. Well, they only picked this venue two days before, so they didn't really get to prep the venue very much, and uh, that was not a good thing. Uh, they actually had a shooting death at this concert, uh, Meredith Hunter. Died. He actually drew a gun not too far away from the Rolling Stones while they were performing Under My Thumb. Um, this was just an example of a <laughs> bad planning um, incident. Uh, they were basically trying to do a Woodstock of the West. That didn't really work out in this case. Hey, but, uh, you know, the Rolling Stones, they're, they're still playing. Mick Jagger's 117, but uh, they're still doing it. Yeah, I think that's about the third time I've made that joke on this podcast. Yeah, it's an old joke, but it's an old band. So what are you going to do? All right. On this day in 1973, Gerald Ford was sworn in as vice president of the United States. Uh, he actually was approved by the House of Representatives, 387 votes to 35. He, of course, went on to become president of the United States when Nixon resigned. The reason why he became vice president was because Spiro Agnew resigned. Now, this is all, of course, around the Watergate hearings. I mentioned Woodward and Bernstein in the Post earlier. Uh, you know, we've got some podcasts that we've done earlier in the year on the Watergate hearings, and you should definitely check those out if you haven't heard about this. What a crazy scandal that was. Uh, in 1982, this guy's uh, familiar with some scandals, specifically over in uh, Chappaquiddick, Senator Ted Kennedy. Well, he divorced his wife, Joan Kennedy on this day back in 1982. In 1994, Warner Brothers announced a fifth television network. It would begin January 11th of 1995, and Michigan J. Frog would keep kicking until 2006 when the network merged with UPN to become CW. By the way, the C and CW stands for CBS, the W stands for Warner Media. Yeah, well, you know what? If we didn't get the WB, we wouldn't have had great shows like Buffy, come on, Love that, right? Felicity, why did she cut her hair? And uh, Charmed, that brought Shannon Doherty back to uh, TVs. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, later this month, I'm going to have a conversation about the day she was fired from 90210. We'll learn about that later <laughs> this month. All right, also uh, on this day, in 1995, Michael Jackson collapsed while rehearsing for an HBO special. Yeah, there's some footage outside of the hospital, and it was like a concert atmosphere out there. People chanting, Michael, Michael, Michael. Uh, Diana Ross uh, <laughs> came to the hospital. Uh, Janet Jackson, his mom at the hospital. And everybody was going nuts trying to learn more and uh, I guess get Michael to hear them and know that they were outside. Uh, he did come out of this just fine. It was a stress-related panic attack. All right. Uh, coming up next, we have, okay, you know, those animated series that you see on TV every single holiday season. You've got Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You've got Frosty the Snowman. Santa Claus is coming to town. I love these movies, and they have been a part of my, of my childhood, my adulthood, and now I'm showing them to my kids. 
We're going to talk with the historian from the company that produced those coming up right after this. I have the pleasure of being joined by the official Rankin Bass historian and biographer, Rick Goldschmidt. Hey, Rick, thank you for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. So some people may not be familiar with Rankin Bass. Okay, you're probably, though, familiar with Rudolph, Santa Claus, Frosty the Snowman, all these holiday specials that have, I feel like, been a part of my entire life, and I've made those now a part of my kid's life. Uh, those were all made by a company called Rankin Bass Animated Entertainment. And um, you're the official historian, so I shouldn't be telling people about this. I should probably let uh, you tell people a little about Rankin Bass. Arthur Rankin Jr. and Jules Bass formed the company basically in the late 1950s, early 60s. They discovered in Japan a stop-motion style called Animagic. The lead animator on, on the Animagic was Tad Moshinaga, who was the father of stop motion in Japan. And Arthur Rankin was a particular fan of the Japanese culture to begin with. And he loved this style of animation and brought it to the States with a television series called The New Adventures of Pinocchio. Pinocchio was his favorite Disney film. And that's why he chose that title. Oh, okay. And then they followed it up with uh, Tales of the Wizard of Oz, which was another series that was broken into small uh, segments for local kitty show hosts to show. And um, that was a mild success. And they, they did a television special called Return to Oz with the same characters in 1964. Hmm. with the General Electric Company sponsoring it. But they also did a special in 1964 called Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and that opened the doors wide open for basically a 30-year uh, nonstop entertainment career for the, for the duo. And that aired for the first time on NBC back on December 6th, 1964, right? Right. And it was only supposed to air two times. Oh, really? <laughs> um, yeah. And and promote GE products. And actually, Rankin Bass did the commercials, which I have posted on YouTube. Uh, we tracked them down. Oh, and cool. The, they have the elves, three of the elves from the special in the commercials. Um, so it was all to promote GE houseware products. But it really took off because people loved the the show so much that they want to watch it over and over and over again. We're on 56 years now. Mm. Um, and it just had a magical quality to it, particularly because of the writing of Romeo Muller, who created all of the other characters besides Rudolph. Um, Hermie the dentist and Yukon Cornelius and the Bumble and I mean there's so many great characters in it it's like a Wizard of Oz of animation oh yeah yeah I, I love the dentist that's my favorite one <laughs> <laughs> yeah. now there was an auction 
recently of some of the characters? It was uh, Santa Claus and Rudolph. Um, I uh, helped with the catalog for that. Profiles in History did the auction, and the pair went for $368,000. I thought it was going to go for more than a million. And these two came out of the display pieces that were at the Rockefeller Plaza, and then eventually they made their way back to the Rankin-Bass offices, and Arthur gave them to his secretary in the 70s. And then the secretary gave them to her nephew and they got really beaten up. My friend bought them from the secretary's nephew. He got them restored and we took them out on tour. Oh, that's so cool. I would love to see that. I'd I'd pay for that. (laughs) I'd I'd pay to go see these things. In the crazy times that we're living in right now, you watch these animated classics and it just takes you back. It makes you feel good. You can't not feel good after spending time with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or, you know, Santa Claus or Frosty or any of these. Like you feel great at the the end of the show. Right. Well, um, One thing that Arthur Rankin and Jules Bass were responsible for was bringing personality to the art form, whereas stop motion had been prior to the Rankin-Bass specials done by George Pal and other people in uh, that, you know, circle of animation, but it, they never really had the characterization that they did with the Rankin-Bass specials with Burl Ives and Fred Astaire and all of these great actors had good uh, voice qualities for animation. Mm-hmm. And that was probably one of the biggest successes that Rankin-Bass productions had. And I, I hear that they actually wrote those characters for those actors, right? Right. Well, Romeo Muller, uh, the genius writer behind everything, he really knew how to write for these characters and it wasn't necessarily written down for children. Um, you know, everyone in, in, in the family can enjoy the shows and still enjoy the shows. And it was due to that writing specifically for these kinds of personalities. And then Paul Coker Jr. Most of the time designed the characters to look like, the actors so Mm. (laughs) it really it all came together and these were seasoned veterans too they weren't you know today's entertainment i think relies on a lot of young talent right out of college right whereas back then rankin bass hired people that had 20 30 years experience in the business yeah and well it shows (laughs) that experience shows all these they're, they're fantastic so I've always loved these movies. Uh, they've been a part of my entire life. I watch them every single year. I watch them with my kids now. Uh, how does one become a historian for Rankin Bass? Well, um, right out of college, my favorite artists were Jack Davis and Paul Coker Jr. out of Mad Magazine. Oh, yeah. And um, I started corresponding with Jack Davis because he was the most similar to my art style. And I knew he designed Mad Monster Party and some of the other Rankin Bass shows like the Jackson Five. And I just said, you know, whatever happened to those two guys, Mm. Arthur Rankin and Jules? And he said that they were 
he was still doing work for them and that I should get a hold of Paul Coker, which I did. And Paul Coker gave me Arthur's number in Bermuda and I told him there should be a book. And he said, send me two chapters. And I did. Oh, cool. And he liked them. And, and, and I just kind of fell into it. It was sort of like a calling. Uh, you've written some books that people can right. uh, collect uh, to learn more about Rankin Bass, right? Well, yeah, I wrote the books. Um, I worked hand in hand with Arthur Rankin for about 30 years. And my first book, The Enchanted World of Rankin Bass, was sort of a resume for him. And in fact, he was still trying to do productions and did a few after my first book, including The King and I and Santa Baby. And then from there, I wanted to focus on my favorite shows like Rudolph and Mad Monster Party and Santa Claus is Coming to Town and uh, Frosty. So I have books that go behind the scenes and into detail on all of the all of the big specials and films. That's great. And if somebody wanted to get one of those books, would they go to your website or Amazon or where would they go to find those books? Um, Miserbros.com. That's M-I-S-E-R-B-R-O-S, like the heat miser and snow miser. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, hey, thank you for uh, jumping in and uh, joining me today. Sure. Thanks for having me. Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to you, too. Hey, today's birthdays. Tim Cahill turns 41. Debbie Rowe is 62. It's the birthday of Dave Brubeck, the musician, the jazz musician. I love some of his music. Uh, He was born in 1920. He passed away in 2012. Stephen Wright is 65. If you don't know his work, oh my God, you gotta check it out. Jude Apto is 53. That's your look at December 6th. Thanks for listening to This Is Today. We do our best to pull together all the correct information. If we made a mistake and you heard it, you're super smart and we're super sorry. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five star if you think we deserve it. If you'd like to make sure that we cover something on a future episode, let us know. Go to thisistodaypodcast.com to make suggestions, give us feedback, and see our other podcasts. I hope you enjoyed learning about today. I'm Russ, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.